I pushed it. Um, last week we taught on sanctification and holiness. Uh, that was for that week. So this week we're starting a new theme. And this one is on the fruit of the Spirit. And the, so the title of this message is Fruit of the Spirit, colon, What are the fruit of the Spirit? And my foundation scriptures are found in Galatians 5, 22 through 23 and 1st Corinthians 13 4 and 7 through 7 so we're going to start with Galatians 5 you can remain remain seated so but I'll just go ahead and read but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 7 says, Charity, which we know is love, suffered long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunted not itself, nor is puffed up. Do not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. It is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth in iniquity, and rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. That is our foundation scriptures. And the purpose, my purpose for this message is, the purpose of this message is to help you to understand what the fruit of the Spirit is and its purpose in our lives. Goal is the believer is to better understand what the fruit of the Spirit is so that we can begin to walk in them and how we're going to accomplish these goals. We're going to do the introduction. Main point one is, what is the fruit of the Spirit? Main point two, I only have two main points, is my how-tos, and then summary, and then review. So, introduction. <coughs> fruit can mean something we can eat, or it can mean an offspring or it could be a deed or an action. It could be a result or it can be a profit. It means a good thing as a result of hard work and careful tending. So in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, they use the fruit of the spirit in contrast or a counterbalance to the acts of the flesh. And those, those are, it says, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lucidiousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, 
wrath, strife, sedition, heresy, envying, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So when you look at the deeds of the flesh, it's about 17 of those. And the fruit of the spirit is nine. It sounds like it's kind of off balance, but surprisingly enough, it's not. One of the primary purpose, purposes of the Holy Spirit coming into a Christian's life is to change that life. It is the Holy Spirit's job to conform us to the image of Christ, making us more like him. We will never be completely victorious in always, always demonstrating the fruits of the Holy Spirit. This fruit is what God desires for our lives to exhibit. With the Holy Spirit's help, it is, impos it is possible, but we definitely need his help. Lester, could you look in that refrigerator and get me a bottle of water, please? <coughs> is he getting it? Okay. Another, because I forgot mine. Thank you. Thank you. I forgot mine. Thank you. Another purpose of the spiritual gifts is to edify, which means to build up. To exhort means to encourage and to comfort the church. Jesus did not use the phrase fruit of the spirit. The fruit is evidence of being connected to Christ, just as the branches of a tree or a grapevine have to be connected to the trunk in order to bear fruit. And so, if you want to turn to Matthew 7, 16 through 20, we'll read that one. Mm -hmm. Matthew 7. Verse 16, it says, And ye shall know them by their fruit. Do man gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. And every tree that bringeth forth fruit forth good fruit is who bring not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit ye shall be known. And that's so important for us to know <coughs> that in order for you to bear good fruit, you're gonna have to be plugged into the vine. Leaves on a tree, if you go out there and pull leaves off a tree, they'll, they may stay fresh for a day or two and then they're going to start shriveling up. Why? Because they're no longer connected to their source. So we have to stay connected to our source as well. When you give your life to Jesus, all the fruit of the Spirit were planted inside of you in seed form. Because of the Holy Spirit, 
you can experience joy and peace in every circumstance, no matter how difficult or painful. The more you draw near to God, praying and reflecting on his word, the more you will experience the fruit of the spirit in your life. So where, where do we get started? We must first learn to receive God's love for ourselves. We have to learn how to love ourselves before we can love someone else. That you find that a lot when people are in abusive situations. Usually it's that person who doesn't love themselves. And since they look kind of stupid hitting their own self upside the head, they take it out on the person that's closest to them. <coughs> Husbands take it out on their wives or they take it out on their children because really they really hate themselves. And so that person is the closest person that they can hit logically and get away with it. It's not right, you know, but it still happens. I, now my husband's not abusive, I don't want y'all to take, but I just, okay. But, because um, he's never raised his hand at me. He may raise his voice, but not his hand. Um, before we got married, I remember telling him that uh, I got my last whooping when I was 12 years old, and I'm not about to get any more whoopings now. Because when we started dating, I think I was like 19, 19, because we got married and I was around 21. And I told him, and the day he hit me, there was going to be two big days in St. Louis, his funeral and my trial. <laughs> okay. Of course, he just looked at me and shook his head, of course, you know. But, uh, but he came out of a situation, his, not with his father, but with his stepfather. And he was saying how his stepfather had been abusive toward his mother. And till the, he and his brother, when they, they got into their late teens, one day their stepfather came home and wanted to jump on his mom and they jumped on him and told him you will not hit our mother anymore which i don't blame the boys you know defending their mom so that was one of the agreements he said if we ever reach a point that we would have to start fighting then we're through you know and i said well i agree with you because we will be through so but but most men if you feel whoever met any that are abusive that's really the problem, is that they really don't love themselves. Okay. So what we're going to do this evening, we're going to look at each fruit briefly. And the reason I'm saying briefly, because this is the first message on this theme. And my fellow ministers, like Mrs. Nan Minister Nance and some of the others, will be filling in the blanks after, for the next few weeks. So... I just want you all just to get a, a taste or the cherry on top, the tip of the iceberg, and then we're going to let them, because I know that they're going to probably take one or two of the fruits and really break them down for you. But I'm just going to kind of skip across, like throwing a rock across the water. So I don't want, you won't be disappointed, so if you keep coming, you'll, you'll get the rest of it, all right? So main point one. Is talking about what are the fruits of the Spirit. And I'm going to give you the, some scriptures. You can turn to them if you choose. Uh, otherwise, I'm just going to go ahead and read them 
so we can just move through all nine of them and still have time because we got to do communion today as well. The first one is love. And we've already read this scripture. This is in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5. And for each one, I'm going to give you the Hebrew name for each one of these words. Now, love in Hebrew is Ahava, which is A-H-A-V-A-H. And of course, you know in Greek, it's agape. Now, this is the only kind of love that comes from God. Love is giving of oneself. And it involves personal sacrifice. Love is the source from which all other virtues flow. Love is not just a feeling. It is a matter of will. It's an act of duty and a divine obligation. We have a tendency to see love as focusing on receiving. But Hava is really all about giving. It is not an emotion, it is an action. It is not something that happens to you, but a condition that you can create when you give. So when we say, oh, so I fell in love with him when I first saw him, technically that is not true. You don't fall in love, you give love. Okay, but we have turned that around and made it seem like it was, it was something different. Number two is joy. And my scripture is in James 1, 1 and 2. And the scripture says, My brethren, count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And in Hebrew, joy is simha, S-I-M-C-H-A-H. In Hebrew, you don't pronounce the C, okay? It is often seen as gladness, biblical joy, it's happiness, but it's not dependent on your circumstance. Joy is related to hope. And in Nehemiah 8.10, it reads, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send <coughs> portions unto them from whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And how many times have we have said that or sung that? that the joy of the Lord is your strength. And it is. It is your strength. <coughs> I remember Jerry Savelle had a, wrote a book that said, if the, if the devil can steal your joy, he can steal your goods. So in spite of it all, you have to hold on to that. Number three is peace. And I'm using John 16, 33. It says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye, sh ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulations, but be of good cheer, for 
for I have overcome the world. And peace in Hebrew is, y'all know that one. That's it, shalom, shalom. It is inclusive of life without conflict, as well as wholeness and harmony with God and others. Peace is a result of allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts and minds. This peace comes even when our circumstances are far from tranquil. Peace and joy are regarded as complementary graces. Shalom means more than abundance of strife. It is also includes the idea of wholeness, health, balance, and reconciliation along with having a peace with God. And in Philippians 4, 7, it says, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. How many of you have been in very traumatic situations and somehow that peace of God just comes over you and you, you don't even know yourself how you can just maintain such calmness because you know deep down without any tangible reason or source, it's still going to be okay. Amen. And people are looking at you like, well, how come you're not swinging off the chandeliers? Well, you because know, my God is in control, Amen. you know. So that's so important, his peace. Number four is forbearance or long-suffering. And my scripture is 1 Timothy 1, 16. It says, How be it for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long-suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. In Hebrew, long-suffering is erect apayim. That's two words. The first one is E-R-E-K-H. And the second word is A-P-A-Y-I-M. And this empowers believers to withstand challenging circumstances with perseverance and endurance. And because of the Holy Spirit, we are able to wait longer before indulging our passions. We become long-tempered rather than short-tempered. It suggests patience, endurance of wrongdoing, without taking vengeance. Now in Hebrew, the word erect means long, or to lengthen or to stretch. Apayim means nose or anger. So you think about it, you put it together and you say long nose. That's a Hebrew phrase, okay? So you say, it's, and there was even referred to God having a long nose. Like God have a long nose we don't even know God has a face. So how did he get a nose? 
But what it's showing is, <coughs> I guess the best way to example, you ever seen anyone get really upset about something and what they'll do is, before they'll speak, they take a deep breath and then they breathe out slow. Well, that's breathing out slowly through your nose is called long nose. Okay, that's how they, that's where that word came from. Because what you're doing is, you're not responding to the, with the situation. You t it's taking you, you're taking time to consider before you speak. And that's what God does with us. Can you imagine that if he was short-tempered where all of us would be right now? This idea implies that we should not be easily offended by the faults and the character defects of others. Just as God graciously overlooks our sin in Jesus, this also is an attribute of God's mercy. So think about that. It is so important. It is necessary to control one's words. It is also important to control one's emotions. A person who loses his or her temper quickly tends to hold onto that anger and is considered a fool. You must understand it is not, I'm not saying that you don't get angry, it's what you do with that anger, but you have to learn how to control it. There was an old, old saying about if you lose your head, your butt goes with it. Because what happens is when you do something short-tempered, you're going to either say something or you're going to do something. Then later on when you calm down, why did I say that? Why, oh, why did I do that? Now you got to go back you, and try to apologize. In some cases, apology would work. But like Cain was out of anger, shot his son Abel, brother Abel, and he can apologize all he wants, but Abel was not getting up. Right. And so you think about how many incidents that we have with shootings in the city of people being shot over anger, and they can't bring that person back. So it's so important that you may be upset with someone, but you have to learn how to control your emotions. You know, the best thing to do sometimes is to walk away or tell them, look, I can't talk right now. You need to give me some space, Amen. you know. Yeah. Number five <coughs> is kindness or generosity. And my scripture is in Romans 2.8. It says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. And the Hebrew word for that is nadavu. That's N-E-D-I-V-U-T. This shows the meaning of moral goodness, integrity, usefulness, and, and amb ambiguity. It refers to the disposition of kindness toward others. It is the quality of being warm-hearted, considerate, humane, 
and sympathetic can also be translated as gentleness. And this is where the term gentleman or a gentlewoman comes from. People who behave properly with moral integrity and kindness. God's kindness is repentance. It leads, God's kindness leads to repentance, not judgment. And sometimes goodness and kindness can be confused. Goodness refers more to a deed and an action, where kindness refers to an attitude. And what is our church model for this year? Say and do. So it's referring to what your attitude. Think about that. When you really want to go off on one of those telemarketers who keep calling you on the phone. <laughs> I have to remind myself of sometime when they call and I'll answer the phone and say, what? And I realize, now that was not nice. Because, <laughs> you know, you pick up the phone by mistake because you just re out of re reflex, you know, like, and then they start talking about your credit card or whatever, you know. <laughs> One lady called and was trying to sell me a, one of those fall alert bracelets. I said, I am not interested. How come you're not interested? You may fall down and die because you can't get up. I said, I am not falling and I will not be dying anytime soon. I said, you need to work on your people skills and hung up the fuck up. Number six is goodness. This is in 2 Thessalonians 1.11. It says, Therefore also we pray always for you that our God will count you worthy of, his, of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power. In Hebrew, the word is gelmit, Gelmelot, Gelmelut Hasidim, which is two words. The first one is G-E-M-I-L-U-T, and Hasidim is C-H-A-S-I-D-I-M. You don't pronounce the C in this one either. This means the uprightness of heart and life, goodness and kindness, or a simple term meaning paying back mercy. Just paying back mercy. Goodness is seen in our actions. Because of Holy Spirit's work in our lives, we are upright in heart and do good things. We also refer to the acts of kindness. Love anticipates the needs of others. where I said left off. The needs of others, the needs of others, they act or acts from a sense of compassion. This one does not limit itself to meeting the needs of the poor. It does not have a social economic status. It also means doing something good for someone 
without expecting anything in return. So how many times have you may have taken a friend out to lunch or to dinner and you're not expecting them to, to pay them back? I mean, expecting them to, well, next week we go out to lunch, you pay, you know. Right. You took them because God put it on your heart to take that person out and then you let it go. And even if they try to repay you, you can say, you know what, I didn't take you out for you to repay me. I took you out, one, because I wanted to spend time with you. You know, because sometimes over a meal, people have a tendency to want to talk and share where they wouldn't necessarily talk on the phone. Amen. You know, so just, you know, just hold on to that one. Number seven is faithfulness. And this is in 1 Corinthians 1, 9. It says, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. In Hebrew is ne emunah. That's N-E, one word. The second word is E-M-U-N-U-T. And this is the evidence of Holy Spirit works working in our lives. This character trait combines dependability and trust based on our confidence in God and his eternal faithfulness. God is faithful, therefore God's people should be faithful too. And because of this, the Holy Spirit enables the heart to be a safe source of counsel and trust for others. Can you imagine that? Huh? That was number seven. Oh, I'm sorry, but I'm not getting these out of Strong's. <coughs> I have a Hebrew Bible at home. Okay, so I apologize for that, okay? You'll probably get your greeting letters out later, Strong's, but I don't, I'm, I, I don't need, I'm not using Strong's. Number eight is gentleness or humility. And it's out of Matthew eleven twenty nine, And it says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. And the Hebrew word for gentleness is anava, A-N-A, V-A-H. And it can be translated as meekness. Some translations prefer gentleness rather than meekness because it, it makes people think that you're weak when you say you're, being, you're meek. When gentleness really means mildness of disposition. Meekness does not really identify you as meek, but a strong person who has been placed in a position of meekness where they preserve without giving up. You know, take an example of a wild animal, especially like an elephant. <coughs> and they train a wild elephant to do tricks and to do whatever. 
Now this elephant at any time could sit on his trainer and kill him. And they have had, I've seen on YouTube from time, from time, okay, where their trainer does not treat the animal nice. And then one day, he hits him one time too many, or he kicks him one time too many, and that animal says, okay, I have had enough. And I have seen where they have actually picked them trainers up and slashed them down on the ground like you're throwing around a rag doll. So, but during the time when he was doing all this stuff, that animal was operating in meekness. I imagine Mr. Hall wouldn't have any problem hurting Mrs. Nance if he really put his mind to it. But, he, but if she has something for him, he submits to her as for her authority that she has. So that's where meekness come in. It don't mean you have to be weak in body and spirit. It's just that you are being submitted. I guess that's the best way to put that. Number nine is self-control or modesty. And that's in Galatians 5, 16 through 17. And this I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts after the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would do. And the Hebrew word for this is tisniut. Tisniut. And it's spelled T-Z-E-N-I-U-T. And this is the ability to control one's body and its sensual appetites and desire physically and mentally through the power of the Holy Spirit. This relates to chastity and sobriety. It is the opposite of the works of the flesh that indulge in sensual desire. Inner strength over one's desire and passions, the strength to turn away from evil to serve, God comes from the indwelling divine presence of the Spirit. This really refers to the life of Jesus within the heart, providing strength to serve and to please God. These nine virtues are qualities that God himself possessed, so he alone is perfect in loving and being joyful and so on. But since we are created in his image, we are giving the Holy Spirit to help us so that we can resemble our teacher. This spiritual fruit should be seen in our lives as well. And if our lives are devoid of fruit, we are devoid of faith. So our first step is to return to the Lord for healing and life. A spiritual imposter may simulate the exercise of spiritual gifts but not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And we read about the old bad fruit and the good fruit in Matthew 7, 16 through 20. This purpose of this is not only to give us the ability to refute the thought of flipping someone off or blowing a gasket, but to come into sanctification with Jesus and to be transferred into his image. We are meant to become better than we are right now in mind and in our daily walk. 
and the fruit we receive come directly from the Holy Spirit to sand down the rough edges and the harshness in our lives. It's God's joy, temperance, and love for us that infuses our inner man to aid us during our struggles. And main point two, we're going to have to <clears throat> is my how-tos. Unfortunately, we live in a self-controlled world, and we always have ourselves on our mind. We have what we call the me show, produced by me, directed by me, acting by me, screenplay by me. A lot of people operate on that one. And so if they get past that, that's when people get upset because it's no longer the me show. When we are in a race, we are in a race for the next best thing and we have to call on the fruit of the spirit to help us. So my first one, how to, is we have to learn how to walk in love. And my scriptures in Ephesians 5, 2, and it says, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. You know, it's easy to, to walk in love towards somebody you love or someone that really treats you right. But the challenge comes when you run into somebody who you don't particularly care about or someone who don't treat you very nice. And that's where you really have to reach back and pull that love fruit off that tree and take several bites of it. You might need to take some of them extra fruit home with you so that you can walk in love toward that person because it's not always easy. Okay. Number two is embrace goodness. <clears throat> and my scripture is in Proverbs 20, in verse 7. It says, The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. So embracing goodness means that you learn to do something for someone else. And we talked about that a little earlier with the fruit and doing something for them and not always expecting something in return. You know, if you know you have a neighbor and her husband just died, well, you know, it don't it take time out of your schedule. If you can't cook good, then there's enough restaurants where you can go buy something and take to them, you know. And especially during a time after the, the funeral is over with and all the neighbors and all the stuff has started to settle down, that's a good time to call somebody because they may just have one of those days, you know. I had a friend whose husband died, and I told her, I said, you're going to have good days and you're going to have some bad days. I said, you may be getting along real good and you pick up a plate that he used to always like to eat out of and then all of a sudden you're crying. I said, go ahead and cry, you know. And so you're crying not because you're so sad, but the point is, is that you miss him. And that's the part that most people have to adjust to. The next one is learn to be a peacemaker. In Matthew 5, 9, it says, and blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called the children of God. And I know a lot of people on jobs, you run into a lot of confusion, turmoil on jobs. And it's good that if you can be that peacemaker 
and helping people to kind of settle down and not get all blown up and I'm not talking to her no more. I'm not, you know, but try to be that voice of reason in the midst of all the turmoil and the confusion. But at the same time, you have to really know how not to get pulled into it because you can get pulled into it and then they will see you as part of the problem, not part of the solution. So you, that's a very uh, thin line that you have to walk. And the next one is be kind to strangers. And my scripture is in Hebrews 13, 2. It says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. And that has happened, I know, more than probably most of you realize that you may have been nice to someone and you just thought, oh, you turn around and all of a sudden that person is gone, you know. Or do simple things like, I know I like going to Aldi's. And so if I put a quarter in the, in the cart, I look for someone to give the cart to. And when they want to pay me, I say, oh, don't worry about it, just pass it on. You know, I mean, what's a quarter? You know, I know Odell's aunt, uncle used to always say, if you take care of the nickels and dimes, the dollars will take care of themselves. But to me, I'm saying me investing that quarter into some people's lives. And you see some people, they come up and they're digging in their purse trying to find that quarter, and all they got is maybe two dimes and a nickel. You won't change, don't worry about it. Just, you know, take the card and go do what you need to do. Amen. You know. And number five is learn to be slow to anger. And that's Proverbs 15, 8. And my scripture says, A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he that's slower to anger a piece of strife. And then there's another one in Proverbs that says, um, a soft answer turns away strife, anger and strife. So we have to realize, a pastor taught on this once, he said it's the second person that starts the argument. Yeah. You can be, someone can be so mad with you and want to bless you out from amazing grace to floating opportunity but as long as you keep your mouth shut, there is no argument. Because it, it really takes two to argue. So they can say what they have to say, and when they get through, you can look at them and say, are you finished? And they say, yeah, and then you can just get up and walk out the room and leave them sitting there puzzled trying to figure out what's going on. But if you said anything contrary back to them, it's, you got a full-blown thing going on. So in summary, the results of spiritual fruitfulness is that God is glorified and that we are able to grow and help others to come to know Christ. And this is the ultimate purpose for the fruit of the Spirit and for us to be a child of God. And in review, we had the introduction and the main point one is what are the fruit of the Spirit? And the first one was love, and the scripture was 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5. The second one is joy, which James 1, 1 and 2. Peace is John 16, 33.
forbearance and long suffering was first Timothy 1 16 kindness was Romans 2 4 goodness was second Thessalonians 1 11 faithfulness was first Corinthians 1 9 gentleness or humility was Matthew eleven twenty nine. Self-control or modesty was Galatians five sixteen. In main point two, we talked about how-tos. The first one was to learn to walk in love, and my scripture was in Ephesians 5, 2. The second one is embrace goodness. That was in Proverbs 27. And number three, be kind to strangers was Hebrews 13, 2. Number four, learn to be a peacemaker, Matthew 5, 9. And practice to be slow to anger is in Proverbs 15, 18. All right, my time is up, and I thank you for yours. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Oh.